Hello, my fellow sovereigns, and welcome back to another special guest episode of The Princess and the Bee. And I am so excited to be here with you today with Dr. Seku Gathers. After being diagnosed with a life-threatening illness, beginning divorce proceedings, and losing his home to foreclosure all in the same year, Dr. Seku Gathers was at a crossroads. Up to that point, he had been the model son and student living what some would call the American dream. He bootstrapped himself from humble beginnings in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn, excelled in college, and ultimately trained at some of the most prestigious institutions in America to become a medical doctor, like he is a legit doctor. But after being diagnosed with hepatitis C ravaging his body, a contentious divorce looming, and living off of $2,000 on a monthly disability check, some would say that he basically lost everything. And it was in that moment that Dr. Gathers realized something profound. He had actually gained everything. The truth was, for the first time in his life, he chose himself, not what his parents wanted, not what his soon-to-be ex-wife wanted, not what society wanted. The majority of his decisions up until that point, at age 32, had been based on pleasing someone or something else, never taking into account what he thought was important. And that was when he discovered the truth prescription. How ignoring facts can be dangerous and lead folks down a path of doing things and living lives that are not their own. Dr. Gathers had lived a life for others. Now was his chance to live life based on his natural gifts, talents, and inclinations. In the years following his illness and divorce, he began to heal and reconnect with his talents and passion that were once suppressed, including acting, coaching. He attended the prestigious Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute in New York City and went on to write, direct, produce several films which have been played in film festivals all over the country. In alignment with his love of creativity, Dr. Gathers has been a successful entrepreneur starting several medical and non-medical businesses. His message of truth is central to who he is and his podcast, the appropriately named Truth Prescription, is central to the platform to teach listeners how to shatter the chains of emotional and psychological imprisonment. The Truth Prescription is about using truth as a guide to navigate the world and craft the life that you want for yourself. And I love that when I was talking with Dr. Gathers, we were just vibing on so many interesting parallels with acting and unlocking the emotional truths that we actually have. And I know there are a lot of former actors or current actors who listen to this podcast. And what I loved about this this podcast was specifically being able to talk with a fellow actor and performer and multi-passionate person like Dr. Gathers we really dove into how you can be bad acting, or as Seku and Lee Strasberg both call it, indicating, rather than actually being that next level version of yourself. So we've all seen bad acting in some way, and whether on TV or in a play that some friend dragged us to or something like that. And we know what it feels like in that space. But when are we bad acting? When are we indicating? When are we pretending to be a character that we're not. And that is really what we dive into in uncovering the truth of who you are, stripping yourself down to the core, and 
using these tools, like tools that can be found in an acting class, tools that can be found through a coach, these are all valuable tools to unlocking the emotional truth that is you so that you can actually achieve the things that you want to achieve in life without being a bad actor or being cast in a role that's really not for you anyways. And so that's what I love is is the ability of Dr. Gathers to be able to pivot as well, having gone through such hardship and such challenges. The beauty is, is that it shows that there is no better time than right now to start giving yourself that truth prescription of who you are, really, and remembering who you are at your core, really deciding what it is that you want for your life, and then going for it. And with that being said, I hereby give you permission to diagnose your own truth and give yourself the truth prescription that you need to succeed. So the doctor is in the house. Please welcome Dr. Seku Gathers. Welcome to the Princess and the Bee podcast, the place to be to build your empire as queen of your body, business, and life. I'm your host, Kimberly Spencer, founder of crownyourself.com, and I'm an award-winning coach, Amazon best-selling author, and multi-passionate entrepreneur. Each week, I give you the systems, strategies, and success stories to help you master your mindset, communicate with ease, and triple your productivity so you make the income and the impact you deserve. Imagine this podcast as your weekly spark of inspiration as you take it to the next level with all the bees of your life, body, business, bank account, boys, and babies. Let's make it rain. Dr. Seku, thank you so much for being on The Princess and the Bee. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And uh, my, my goal and my intention is that your guests walk away with something special. I love that. So let me, let's dive in. What does, what does the truth mean to you? Because I know we've all heard that saying that there's your version of the story, there's my version of the story, and then there's the truth. Like, is there an ultimate truth or are there just multiple perspectives? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great one. Um, thank you for asking that. I get that question often. So the, the short answer is there is one truth, right? Um, the sun goes up, rises in the east, sets in the west. That's the truth. It's undisputable. Nobody can dispute that. Sometimes because of our perspectives, we, we look at a particular situation and our perspective kind of skews what the actual facts of the situation are. Um, but whether it's, you know, one person looking at it and seeing something or another person looking at it and seeing something, whether, they, whether or not they actually have obtained the truth out of that, that scenario is a separate issue, but there is one truth. And sometimes you don't get to that one truth, um, but th- there, there is really only one truth. And sometimes people don't know what the truth is, right? Um, when, you're, when somebody is being interviewed, let's say, you know, a presidential candidate, and he's asked a question. Only he really knows if that's the truth, right? And what what his intentions are for doing, you know, X number of things. Only he knows. So so um, there's many perspectives, but there's only one truth. When it comes to, because I know a lot of your your story um, about you re- you really in the beginning of your life, you know, you did a lot of what your parents wanted you to do, and then 
after you went through, you know, getting diagnosed with a disease and a divorce and, you know, living off of a, what was it like a $2,000? Yeah, it was like 300 and something dollars first. And then it was, yeah, it was like 2000 a month. Yeah. So, so pretty darn low, especially since you live in New York, um, that like you, you have had to kind of shed other people's truths to find what is true for you. So, so why is that, that we project our, our perception of what is true or right for someone else onto somebody else? Well, what I've found for, for me and also the clients that I work with is a lot of times we lie for love. Right? We lie to ourselves for love. You know, ultimately, as human beings, we're, we're basically built for connection. This is, this is really why we're here, to connect. And when the people around us, the people that we're closest to, um, may make us feel a particular way, sometimes we uh, misrepresent what we really want or change what we really want to please others. And that, ha- that often happens. And um, that's, that was basically what happened to me. And at some point you have to sort of not just look yourself in the mirror, but feel yourself in the mirror, feel yourself in your body, reconnect with yourself and know that, hey, actually I wanna do these things. This other thing is not really that important to me. And you have to be strong enough to, um, to make that change. So what, what were some of the examples of the changes that you made that were those things that didn't really feel aligned, but were what other people wanted for you? Well, the biggest one I would say in the last um, couple of years has been completely leaving medicine. I mean, that's that was huge for me, um, and basically transitioning completely out of medicine completely and and doing um, coaching full time. Really, don't like to use use the term coaching because coaching is is a technique that's used, but um, we'll, we'll say life guide or mentor, helping people, helping high performers um, achieve goals and, and, and do the things that they want to do um, that seem insurmountable. Um, making that switch was cataclysmic for me because I had such an ego connection to this. You know, when I was five or six years old, my dad said to me, hey, I think you'd be a great doctor. And um, mm-hmm. I liked science and that was the, the road I went. But I've always been kind of like a creative, sensitive, you know, person and kid and wrote music and I've done a, you know, written a bunch of films and um, I, I really, re- I read people's, and it, what, what makes me really good at the job that I do now, uh, the, 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 I shouldn't even call it a job, but the, my profession now is just really being able to be sensitive enough to read, to read people and read what they're not saying. You know, a lot of times you ask people, what do they really want? Mm-hmm. They tell you something, but then their body and their body language and their energy is telling you something else. And so that comes from being sensitive and, you know, not, I won't say that um, I was uh, like that medicine was, was, was bad or horrible. I enjoyed it when I did it, but I just think that in terms of what my true gift, my true passion uh, is, it's more, it's more so aligned with this type of, with that type of work. Yeah. I found that a lot with a lot of people who go into medicine or nursing, um, they have such a heart for people. They have such a heart to serve. Um, and that's kind of the form that is kind of projected onto them as the traditional way of serving when really there are like 
numerous ways of serving people. I mean, a chef serves people in, in a way by preparing beautiful meals. It's not the way that I serve people. Certainly not. No one wants me near a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> That's why my husband does all the cooking, but like I serve in a different way. And I think it's finding that unique, that unique ability to serve in the form that you best do it. in. that's most, that's most true for you. Basically, when I became a doctor, it was like, wow, you know, he's a doctor, like all my family, wow, he's a doctor. This is so fantastic. And um, so I got a lot of, you know, gratification from that. Um, and then when I sort of left completely, I got a lot of uh, negative feedback, <laughs> you know, from that. And that's when that strength comes in. That's when that knowing of, hey, this is, this is actually the truth of who I am. And this is what I need. This is what I need to follow. And sometimes you, you do take a course, you take a path, not that that was bad, but that was necessary to kind of get me where I am. Sometimes you take baby steps, right? They say, you know, the, the journey, uh, a thousand mile journey starts in one step. Sometimes, you know, our life, and you probably know this as well, takes, you know, many circuitous routes before you kind <laughs> of get to where you need to go. And even when you think you've landed up, oh, you know, let's, let's do this other thing now, right? I think it's uh, it's allowing the path to be a little bit more mercurial. Like there's no linear path for anything, like not even in nature. It's, it's all uh, oscillating and mobile and fluid. So there's not really this like linear, you do this. And I think that's what a lot of people uh, now struggling in, uh, with are, you know, they, they did these things, they went to the college, they got, they did the thing, and now they're unemployed because of COVID and all the, the stuff happening. And they're like, well, wait, I, I did, I followed the path. Why is this not, why is this not working? Why is this path not working? And I think that that's where there's a lot of um, friction and headbutting that can come up if you're not, if you haven't adapted to that, that sort of flexibility to, follow your curiosity to see where else would you want to go? I mean, from, from where you went from leaving medicine, you then attended Lee Strasberg Institute of, of performing arts. Like that's, that's a mic. That's a (laughs) massive pivot. That was, yeah, that was part of my healing. Yeah. It was was fantastic. And I do that with some of my clients. Now I put them in improv classes or acting classes um, because it, it does, it, it, it's transformative. It helps you get in touch with some things. It does. I mean, having come from that, you and I have very similar backgrounds with, with the acting and the performing arts. And it was, it was through acting for me that I was able to get in touch with my emotions. What were some of the things that, that you really pulled and, and drew from that, that serve your coaching now that were because of acting? Oh man. Well, I'll say um, when I started acting, the reason, the reason I did it, the reason I decided to do it was because I realized that I was, I was like this small, you know, although I had like this, I had this much inside of me, I was showing up like this in the world. Mm -hmm. And I knew that in order for me to really um, harness my true power, I needed to put myself in an extremely uncomfortable situation that requires you to be powerful and expressive and emotive. Um, and in not just in the special thing about acting is it's just not in communication with your partner, but in communication with the audience. 
And what I found is that in those moments when I got it, I didn't always get it, but in those moments when I got it on, in a scene, I was being so super authentic. It was like, like nothing I'd ever done in my life previously. So I knew that, and that's when we talk about the truth. In those moments, even if it's, even if it's, I got a hundred lines to memorize and on seven of the lines, I just kill it, right? It's a hundred percent authenticity in those five beats, those, those seven moments, those seven beats. That's everything. And that's, mm -hmm. for me, that was part of the initial steps to getting me really in line with the truth of who I am. Uh, but you can't really know those things if you're not really in touch with yourself, in touch with your physical body, in touch with your instrument, right? Our body is basically an instrument. And what happens a lot of times with trauma, because my specialty is more so is, is dealing, working with people with bad past traumas, mm -hmm. um, you get disconnected from your body. Um, get disconnected from your power. You get disconnected, period. And part of the healing, part of the, the road back is, is, is reconnection and reintegrating. Yeah, and that's, you and I uh, both work with a lot of people who have had trauma in their past. And I find that with, um, for me, like with acting, I was able to, there were certain scenes that I was able to fully express myself in that were, things that I had experienced but had not fully acknowledged yet, things that I had gone through that I needed to let out through this character's eyes because I did not yet have the courage to face them as like, back then I was Kim McKenzie, but Kimberly Spencer herself, like that and, and that ability to see it through a different perspective though also really helps and serves when you can see it through another character's eyes, especially with its childhood trauma and it's something that you haven't yet been able to fully wrap your head around because there are just some things that you can't, it doesn't make sense. Like you can, you can go down the why spiral, but there's no really, there's no real reason. Like you're, you're not going to land in a, in a, in a, in a why, like no, you're, no, yeah. there's no logic to these things. Yeah. There's some trauma that's just absolutely illogical and it's all emotional. And so being able to find that, that perspective and sometimes it is through a different character and it's having those moments of authenticity where like oh this like I, I could I remember some scenes that I was in that I was I just was I was in it yeah. and it was it was a moment and nobody else saw it except for you know the 15 other people in my acting class but it was it was so present and it was real yeah. so what what else has acting been able to allow you to guide your clients to discover within themselves? Well, with, um, with Lee Strasberg teaches uh, method acting. And um, one of the things that, one of the techniques is called the private moment that I do use with clients sometimes. And it's basically when you're in a scene and you need to, let's say you need to um, be very sad. Although you're there working with your character, in your mind's eye, you actually place yourself in a place, in an actual place in your life where you were at, where you were sad. And working with some of those um, visualizations is really important. Now, one thing I found with acting, you know, obviously my acting teacher is not is not a, a therapist or or a, or a coach. So sometimes I would be I would be doing private moment, and these emotions would come up, and it worked for the scene, but for the, my healing, I just, you know, it didn't really help me heal. I just felt kind of, you know, afraid afterwards. Mm -hmm. 
but what I do is create those same um, scenarios with my clients, but then actually do some exercises in those rooms and sort of change the narrative a little bit and do a little bit of EMDR. EMDR is eye movement uh, desensitization and reprogramming. It's a, a technique that you use with visualization and, and eye movement that helps to sort of reprogram and reprocess um, traumatic memories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I sort of incorporate the private moment technique with a little EMDR um, to help with some of the, the, the unprocessed um, uh, memories. So yeah, so that that helped me a lot. Uh, it's a great it's a great technique. And then there's also um, the totem, which is another another method thing um, technique where when you're in scene, if there's sometimes you need a little something extra. So let's mm-hmm. say uh, you need to feel, uh, or the character needs to feel um, super excited. Um, for me, it might be like the transformer I had when I was a kid. So you mm-hmm. actually literally have the transformer in your hand, and, and it's interesting because not actually, but you know, in your in your mind, but you actually play with it and hold it. There's some scenes with some method actors that's so interesting. Claire Dane does it sometimes, but you can mm-hmm. actually see them doing some things with their hand, and that's what they're doing. They're actually using their their totem in that moment, and um, it's similar to visualization, but it's a little more tactile. Mm-hmm. Um, that that also has helped me that's one's a little more complicated but basically when you do meditation i'm sure do you do you meditate yes yeah i practice transcendental med- meditation transcendental meditation so mm-hmm. um you know meditation is super powerful we could you know that's a whole nother podcast but um it works to help you control your medial prefrontal cortex and what happens is if you train yourself as you're meditating and you do certain hand movements or pretend that there's a particular thing in your hand, when you're out in the world and things happen, you can recall that same object and put yourself back in that space. So mm-hmm. that's something else that, that, that I practice with clients that's kind of cool. But, the, but it all stemmed from, you know, the, the acting, acting school. So what did, what did act, like for me, I, I was trained in the Meisner method. Okay. So living truthfully under imaginary circumstances and doors and activities and all that. And with, um, what, what did acting teach you about truth? People feel truth. People know truth. Um, when you're not being integral in your performance, you haven't prepared, you haven't prepared your beats, if you haven't prepared your partner, you haven't prepared yourself emotionally, audience knows immediately. And so it's the same thing in life. You know, we, we as human beings, we have a, we have a truth, a, a truth gauge. <laughs> and uh, when someone is, is talking to you or you're in a situation, more importantly, when you're in a situation that just doesn't feel right, that gut, mm-hmm. that's that thing. And so um, that's really what it taught me that, that, Truth is something that can be communicated clearly without words, and um, it's a beautiful thing when it when it actually happens. I think it's uh, it's so sad to me to see bad acting in the real world. <laughs> yes, like I know. when you see someone who is just faking it. Yes, and who has no idea that they are putting on a performance or they may know that they're putting on a performance, but they're putting on a performance that they think everybody wants to see. And 
you know, the audience can smell it. The audience can, it, 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 it resonates. It's like, I don't know what's up with that actor, but, or that person or that performance. Like, that's why when I, I got the title of high performance coach, I was like, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Uh, because, because we're all in some ways performing a role in any area of our life, in any of our varied roles. And you can smell bad acting when people are performing and faking it in a, in a role that, that is not, that they haven't really either claimed or that actually may, they might not be the best casted in. Yeah, for sure. With, with what you've experienced and the, the massive transformation, like what, would you say that by people pleasing, it's almost trying to cast yourself into the role of what your parents want you to be or what your spouse wants you to be. And, and how do we break free of that? How do we learn to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances? I had another thought. I, I just wanted to make a point about the bad acting. In, 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 at Strasbourg, we used to call it indicating. And basically it means that person is not in character. They're like pointing at like, that's what the character should be doing, but they're not actually doing it. <laughs> Does that make sense? So that's what indicating because it's like they're pointing. Um, you know, when you're a little kid or you're, um, I mean, that's that's such a funny thing because, you know, our our inner child is in us still all the time. And sometimes he's, he or she is healed and sometimes he or she is not. But, you know, whether you're actually a little child or a grown up with a little child inside and you're trying to manage relationships, um, depending on where you are, emotionally and maturity wise um, you can do things because you think that's what other people want and I think the way to get out of that is first of all recognize that you're unhappy um, I think once you have a true sense of what you're really feeling uh, what you're really thinking where are you really on a day-to-day moment to moment, second to second basis. Are you happy? Do you feel great energy throughout your body? Do you feel stifled? Do you feel tense? What do you feel? Once you start, once you're able to start connecting these actual feelings and connecting them to your activities and you realize, hey, like I actually want to vomit every time I walk into this building at 9 a.m., you know, this work. Or every time I'm in this person's presence, you know, I'm just, I get, you know, I, I get a bad feeling. All those things are markers. And we, but we walk around and do things for years um, feeling terribly. Uh, it's funny, when I, when I stopped in the ER, I was like, man, I'm so relaxed these days. <laughs> but it was because I was always so tensed and stressed out. And it was really my, my body and my mind and my soul telling me, bro, this is not for you. Like, Let's, it's time to do something else. You have other talents, other skills that will allow you to serve better. So I think the first step is really getting in touch with yourself. Once you're getting in touch and you realize that clearly I'm doing X thing for this other person, or even if you're not aware of who you're doing it for, this thing is not for me, then it's, it's time to start making some, making some changes. But you have to be aware of what's going on. I think to circle back to your point on indicating... How, because I love that. Because you see people indicate um, all the shoulds of how they 
think they should be successful in whatever way that they want to be successful. And so they put on this like successful character, but they're totally indicating it. How have you seen <laughs> they're totally how have you seen it? How have you seen indicating show up in in your clients, in business, in in um in what you do? I'll say this. I'm very um, discriminate, discriminative, if that's a word. I'm very discriminative of who I take on as a client. Mm -hmm. And so my actual clients that I work with usually don't indicate because all the indicating people I sort of <laughs> weed out in the beginning. Same here. Um, <laughs> because the indicating people are the ones that say they want to change. They say they want to grow. They say they want to achieve goals. And then you start talking to them and realize they're not ready. They're not ready to do the work. They're not ready to do the work with me and they're not ready to put in the necessary uh, investment resources of time and money that's necessary to get it done. So then you're just playing. You're just pretending to want to be great, but you actually don't want to be great. You actually don't want to harness and access your full power. You're just talking about it. And that's okay because that's part of the process too, right? The uh, journey of a thousand steps. I've been there. I've been in a place where I was playing around with, you know, wanting to, wanting to be as great as I could be and not really doing it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I think we've all been in that space yeah, of, of yeah. totally trying to fake it till you make it until you realize that that just isn't the way to do it at all. <laughs> like, right, right. And, and making things seem bigger and better than they are. Yeah. So I, I think the key indicator for me for indicating that's interesting. The key indicator for indicating is um, actions don't match up with with the communication. People saying one thing and doing something else. That's a clear. That's a clear sign. I mean, going back to the truth, people ultimately have to look their own self in the mirror and be honest about what they're doing, um, what they say they want to do, uh, and what they're actually doing. And um, if those things don't align, then with that particular thing, they're just playing. And it's okay because mm -hmm. sometimes we play. Um, but trying to think of another example, I really can't because I feel like every other permutation of that boils down to that. It all yep. really boils down to just, you know, you're just playing and you're not ready and that's okay. But I tell them it's okay. It's not time yet. And sometimes I'm not the person. Um, but I, I typically find that um, the people that are serious, and I'm sure you find this as well, serious about growing. Mm -hmm. You, you kind of know it right away. Um, and I also, you know, there's a, a few surveys I send out before I even talk to people. And you can read the survey and kind of know kind of how the call is going to go. Yeah, I, I think that that, I love that you use the term playing um, because that's such a powerful thing I saw I, that was something I saw in my in my first marriage where we were we were playing married couple but we really weren't we really weren't like we really weren't doing like we really weren't in it and and that's why I was so grateful for that experience because it taught me like what does it really mean to really be married and it made me really dive into it so that I would be ready for my forever husband but that like that that ability to play. I mean, cause I see this with um, business owners as well. I mean, I did it as well at, at first in my business where 
you're you're kind of playing business owner and you're playing like you're playing being successful but it's it's not so can, can you give me some examples of how you see whether on an energetic level or an emotional level what is that thing that you can kind of catch when somebody is is playing one one of the things i ask is what's your intention because intention is everything if they can't answer that immediately i know they haven't thought about it and then i also know they don't have a lot of direction which is Mm -hmm. okay because if you have the drive and you have the wherewithal to you know do the things you say you want to do and then that's okay we can work figure out what the intention should be um but sometimes people you ask them about intention and it's like you know, you just threw a grenade at them or something, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, what are you talking about? Um, or they answer it, their answer is not an intention. It, it's something like, well, you know, I want to make a lot of money. Um, I guess that's sort of an intention, but to me, a strong intention that says that this person really has not just thought about what they want to do, but why they want to do is something like, like my intention for my work is I want, I want each client I work with to be realized, energized, powerful, and proactive and go through a complete trans- transformational experience. That's my intention. That's my why. That's why I do this, right? And so it needs to be to that level, to that granular level of what's your intent, because intention drives everything. So everything I do is based on those things. I, it's, it's the reap. Uh, I say, you know, I want my patients to reap. My, my patients, my clients to reap, R-E-E-E-P, realize, energize, um, empowered, positive, proactive. So that's, that, that guy's everything I do. And I think if they don't have an intention or their intention is sort of superficial, then that's an indication that, um, you know, they need to get a little more serious about what they're doing. And some people are willing to do that. Yeah, I think, I mean, you can always chunk up to seeing beyond what that initial like because everybody everybody and their mom is like oh I want to make a million dollars well that's great why (laughs) why right what what really will you do with the million dollars like and besides a million dollars like it ain't that much (laughs) and you can lose a million dollars like yeah yeah so so at really diving into the why beyond the the why that you think is the why I mean, one of the things in in coaching that my mentor taught me, uh, he said that normally somebody's first answer is uh, when you ask them like a really deep question is either conditioned or it's ego. It's, it's, oh, I want to make a million dollars. Well, they've either heard that from like thousands of other people who want to make a million dollars or it's conditioned because, uh, or it's ego where they think that a, a million dollars will suddenly solve all their problems. And it's this extrinsic thing, this thing out, this external thing outside of them that will solve the thing that's internal. So since truth is internal, how do we tap deeper into our internal truth? Well, everybody's different. I'll definitely say that each person has a little a, a different connection that will help them more than some people meditation works really well. Some people it's journaling. Some people it's super intense exercise. Some people it's yoga. 
Um, but I think the key thing, one of the spiritual laws that I live by is as above, so below. So that just, that essentially means that the micro and the macro are the same. So if you're able to connect with your physical body, then a lot of other connections and, and connect truthfully to it. Like if your wrist hurts, you know, it hurts. You're not ignoring it until you need surgery. right? Yeah. Or <laughs> pretending it is going to go away or just like, Oh, wait, hold on. And then it, yeah. Right. If you're, really truly um, are in some daily practice where you're con connecting with yourself, then it makes it a lot easier to connect to truth. Uh, for me, meditation, I've been doing meditation for over 10 years. I'm really able to get into a state um, where I can, you know, even ask questions and, um, and connect to a higher, you know, my higher self and, and, and obtain answers. So that's, that's the real truth. Past the ego. That's the real truth. Sometimes it says things I don't want to hear, but it's the truth. Um, sometimes I ask questions and it says, you're going to have to figure that out on your own. So I think um, it's about connecting with the self first in a truthful way. And then you can start to connect with other things truthfully. Yeah. I, for me, it's, it's movement and running. So that like that forward, that forward motion, that forward ability that that momentum spurs up those ideas and those thoughts and those those things. Yeah, I call them downloads. Those downloads. Yes, those divine downloads, and they speed up a lot faster when when you're doing that thing more often that that connects you. Eighty five percent of the work is getting out of your head. Um, you know, a lot of us are highly intellectual, very smart. You know, we can analyze for days, um, but we don't feel anything. <laughs> Right. So that was another breakthrough for me as well. Sort of being able to just shut down my quote unquote analytical smart brain and just like feel what's going on in the moment. And I think um, those different activities, part of what they do is they disconnect you from the thinking brain. It really mm -hmm. gets you into the body and feeling other things. And then you can actually really, you know, get in touch with things. So through, you know, for you running, um, I cycle. So I love cycling it, it, and I know a lot of other people that when they cycle, they, that's also when they get their, their download. So um, I think if the listeners, they can sense that there's a, a theme here and it's about movement, you know, whether it's lack of movement, meditation or active movement, but it's about the physical body and it's about disconnecting all of these random, you know, thoughts that we have, all these, uh, the psychologists call them interjects, all these damn interjects in our brain about this person, that person, what looks good, what's ugly, what's, what's good, you know, what's nice, all these mm -hmm. opinions, but that have nothing to do with what's actually going on. And I think the, um, with, even with meditation, there's still movement. There's still the movement of breath. There's the movement of your heart beating. There's the movement of your lymphatic system. Like the, there's still circulation going through your body. There's still movement happening. It's just, there's a stillness with that. And so being able to, to use that breath, whether it's heavy breathing, like with a cardio or, or cycling or running or more subdued, relaxed breathing, using the breath as, as a, a guide in, in many ways to breathe. Cause so often we're especially when we're in our heads, like if we think about it, like with an athlete, an athlete, if they're in their head, they're, they're, they're dead, basically. <laughs> like, 
it, they're toast. Like they're, they're, they get, and you can see it. You can see it. That's one of the reasons why I don't love sports, but I love watching like the people's faces in sports. Cause you can see when, when somebody is off their game and it's because they're stuck in their head. So how do we move from the head into the heart or into the feeling of the, of the body as, as fast as possible to be able to get more in touch with getting those divine downloads more often? Well, I'm glad you asked. I have a fantastic meditation on the Insight Timer app. Um, just uh, put in uh, Seku Gathers in the Insight Timer app or website. I've got a fantastic uh, meditation that's specific for connecting to the heart energy. It's, it's great. It's fantastic. And um, that's definitely something you can start with today. Awesome. We will link to that in the show notes. What are some, what are some other tools? What are some other resources? Well, everything that you just talked about, we just talked about, you know, the, the yoga, the exercise, the meditations, the uh, journaling, all these things that are really, uh, the, the point of it is to really reprogram or deprogram um, and disconnect us from the mind that's the, I call it the parrot that's always going on, on and on and on and on and get us into, you know, the body, which is in the now, which is in the moment. That's where the truth lies. Sometimes listening to music, you know, that, that can be if there's some like a nice piece of classical music, <clears throat> instrumental music that you that puts you in a particular mood, um, that can definitely get you, you know, in a relaxed state. So if if truth was at war with something, like this internal truth, would it be people pleasing? Would it be looking externally for validation? Like, what what would you say it's in contrast with? Well, yeah, truth is in contrast with with lie with the lie. And what what is the lie? The lie is whatever's not true. <laughs> if you, if you're looking for something concrete. Is the lie what someone else says is true for you? Is the lie um, the these like deeper seated lies that we see of like unworthiness or not deserving or not not enough Um, because those I think are the ultimate lies I just say this in my experience the truth is usually the thing that we know in our gut to be to be right but it's often the most uncomfortable to deal with and sometimes the uncomfortable thing is something as simple as um, I have a right to voice my opinion right that's the truth um, but so many of us walk around and don't really say our opinion or we try to curtail our opinion to match what we think someone else wants us to say or what wants us to hear. That's why the truth is often very uncomfortable. But ultimately, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is the, one of the, the key paths to freedom. Ooh, could you say that again for the cheap seats in the back? That was great. That was a mic drop. <laughs> Getting uncomfortable with the getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is one of the uh, primary paths to freedom. I love that because basically, what we're quote unquote uncomfortable with is, I'll say in my experience, one hundred percent of the time, it's the thing we need to do, whatever that is. Um, whether it's public speaking, whether it's writing this blog that I need to write and I haven't written. Uh, whether it's doing a podcast interview that I'm whatever the the point is these things are there for us more as like um uh signposts mm-hmm. so now like when I'm uncomfortable with something I'm 
more comfortable just going in that direction. Even though I will feel uncomfortable, I know I need to be doing this thing, whatever that, whatever that particular thing is. Yeah, that 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 un uncomfortable arrow. It's kind of like your compass, and and it's not. It doesn't feel like uncomfortable as in wrong, as in like, no, 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 that's really just not for me. Right. Um, it, it feels uncomfortable as in like, that just doesn't seem logical that why would it work? This is what's, you know, this is what I'm doing. I had one, one client who really was wanting to gain more followers and more influence and I asked him, I said, how often are you being influential on other people's platforms? Because he spent most of his time producing content and putting it out there. But I said, what, what type of follower are you? Instead of just like, how are you leading, but nobody's following? Look at, are you like the follower who kind of likes things in the passively and doesn't really engage and isn't really championing other people? Because if that's the case then you're not attracting those people to influence in the first place. So you can keep on put, putting out content all you want, but if you're not really crafting that, those relationships, then it's, it's going to be an uphill battle. Yep. Yep. I, I told, I told a client uh, last week, I said, you can't get what you're not giving. <laughs> you know, you're asking for something, but you're not giving it. So there's no way the universe is going to give it to you. Saying the exact same thing. It's like, you can't, you can't be, no, you can't ask for something if you're not willing to give it what you're saying. And it's, and it's, it's totally true. Um, I mean, that's a whole, the whole conversation around like, who are you showing up as energetically every day? That's a, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. That's the, that's the next conversation. And so with, yeah. with who, yeah, I mean, and, and so who did you have to become to show up this way energetically every day as, as to how you, like, how were you before showing up and who did you have to become to show up energetically at this level every day to serve? I was showing up like that, crumpled up into like a little ball like this, but you know, I had this much, my capacity was like, you know, you know past the screen. Right. But I was showing up like this and it was, it, it, the, the, I can't really explain the process like in a very um, linear matter. You know, a lot, there's a lot of overlap, but I would say the overarching thing has been accepting truth about who I am, what my actual abilities are, what I'm really good at, um, strengthening my body and, and strengthening my, my mind, which is essentially the body, but, you know, through exercise and meditation, because your body, your body is basically, it, your body vibrates, all our body vibrates. And this we talk about the type of energy you show up with. If you wake up every day, like I tend to wake up between five and six o'clock, I work out, I meditate, I set my attention for the day. So energetically, I'm in a certain lane and that's the lane I stay in. And if I feel myself getting a little off, there's different things I'll do to kind of get back on. But I just think that, and I think it's, it's written behind me on the board there. What you think, feel, and do determines your vibration. It's right there back on the board. And um, that's everything. And so the client you're talking about, and one of the things I talk about with my clients as well, is you really have to be the thing you're trying to attract. So for me, it was about, you know, I already had a, I've always been a natural healer. Um, 
and obviously being a physician that was one level of it but this other level up was really getting deeply into my own process i i got coached and continue to be coached and every day just really digging out and finding those areas those blind spots you know what are they where are they how can i improve on them you know well maybe i've got to this level with it but there's a little nuance with it. So let me let me go there and deal with that. So if I'm constantly es- excavating myself and again, waking up every day with strength and positivity, when I interact with clients, they can feel that. They know that. They know that I can help them. And so for me personally, that's that's what I do to keep myself at a certain energetic level. I love that. And, and I know we have a lot of coaches who listen to this podcast. And this is one of the things, because I love that you mentioned that, that you have a coach and you continue to be coach. I have coaches and mentors and I continue to get coaches and mentors. I find new ones for where I am in my life and what I'm looking to improve. Um, and, and what, one of the things that I see a lot of new coaches who want to step into this world of coaching, but they're not making that, that investment into, into actually investing in coaching for themselves. Yeah. And, I mean, and so I expect somebody to pay for your program, but you haven't paid for anybody else's program. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. I'm like, come on. Again, it, you're, you're showing up and trying to, you know, you want, you want something, but you're not willing to give it. It's the same principle we just talked about. So when did you get to this point when you, when you claimed your power, when did you, when did you claim your power over your authentic truth? I'm still claiming every day. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not. I would never sit here and tell anybody that I'm 100% healed or 100% anything. It's a process. And um, so, yeah, every day, every day is, is a process and I'm growing every day and I'm, and I'm harnessing my power half a percent more and more every day. And that's how I look at it. Looking at, so it's more of a practice. It's not a destination. How has exactly. that? How has how has that mindset served you in growing your businesses? Well, it's just patience. I'm I'm I've always been a very patient, um, and I'm a, I'm a creative guy. And so, you know, I've made films, made made music, uh, written screenplays, all of those things. Anytime you're really creative, you understand the process of ideation and actually creation and then manifestation, right? Mm-hmm. So those things take time. Nothing happens like that, right? A baby, it takes nine months. And so any, any, crea- any creation takes time to, come, time to come to full fruition. And um, I think I, I've always known that, but um, my first, my, I'm now married, uh, it's my second marriage. My first marriage really taught me that um, idea of patience. I was not patient at all back then and my divorce took four years wow. <laughs> <laughs> four years literally and um it was extremely frustrating in the beginning but then i realized what the universe was trying to teach me like you need no patience and this is the process you're going to have to go through and you have no power and no control over this all you can do is control what's going on inside so that's what i did i worked on just being patient with the process still active um not passive aggressive Mm-hmm. Um, but and still involved in the process and doing everything I needed to do, but understanding there was another thing taking place, and that I couldn't control the court system or the judge or my ex or any of that, but I could control how I showed up inside. And um, 
that really that that was a, a big you know one of the big bigger steps in my in my healing process. When you were going through that healing process, was it predominantly acting and meditation and cycling and these exercises that were propelling you, or how did how did you come go? How did you make that pivot from medical doctor to I'm going to go to acting school? Well, I did, I did both at the same time. I didn't I didn't stop uh, at the time. I didn't stop doing medicine and and. Um, and go to acting school. I, I did, I did, you know, I had my schedule so that I was going to acting school on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and I think Friday afternoons, and I was still working in the ER um, the other days and on the weekends. So it was less of, it, it was less of a cut. It was just allowing for this evolution. That's sure. kind of what I'm hearing is, is more of an evolution. Yeah, it was the evolution over like probably six or seven years. And then the cut, the, the, the final cut happened. I started coaching maybe five years ago, off and on. Um, but the final cut happened at the end of 2019. And now it's all truth prescription all the time. <laughs> well, we have to show the truth prescription. We're going into our fifth season. So I've been yeah. doing the show for, for a little while. Um, that, that really, that also, again, retaining and, and harnessing my power. Um, I also had an issue with just being able to just communicate and speak from my heart and um, not, you know, have all these thoughts in my head about what the other person could be thinking. And so the, the starting of the podcast was, was very therapeutic for me as well. And um, I just could have continued it and I've enjoyed it a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, well, you experienced it. I experienced it. It was a lot of fun being on your show. Yep. <laughs> so I would love, Seiku, to drop into a little rapid fire. Are you ready? Let's do it. Now, normally I have women on these shows. So okay. most of the questions are related to women. Okay. You good with that? I'm good with that. <laughs> cool. So what is, who is your favorite female character in a book or a movie and why? Um, I don't remember the character's name. The movie is V for Vendetta. The actress mm -hmm. is um, Natalie Portman. Yes, Natalie Portman. I loved her character because she was strong. She was sensitive. The process that she went through, I just I thought it was so amazing and transformative. It's like he it, he had to meaning V the the, the protagonist the protagonist antagonist. <laughs> He had to essentially lie to her and put her through this whole emotional, um, all this emotional pain to make sure that she was loyal. And um, there was just something about her strength and her courage. What would you define as your kingdom? The world. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's it. What woman would you want to trade places with just for a day? Oh, Oprah Winfrey. Easy. Oprah Winfrey. Why? Because <laughs> she's just like me. She's a media personality. She's super creative. She's a writer. And I hear she's got a badass house in Hawaii, one of my favorite, favorite countries. And a great one in Montecito as well. <laughs> <laughs> Where I'm like Montecito, that's my that's that's my jam. <laughs> so, what if your palace had a swear jar? How much money would you have to put into it every single day? And this is kind of a twofold question. It depends on how much will you be charging yourself, 
And how often would you be swearing? Um, not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. If, if, how much? Tell me again. How much do I have to put in there each each time? It I depends swear? on how much. How much would you charge yourself? I would probably charge myself ten dollars a swear. So ten dollars a month. Yeah. And then, how would you reinvest the money? I have a passion for teaching young children basic spiritual principles. I feel like why wasn't I taught any of that stuff right. in elementary school? Just like basic awareness, basic, um, basic meditation, basic, just some basic things. Um, so yeah, I would invest it in a, in a not for profit that focuses on, on on teaching those type of things. Awesome, I love that because you you and I are very aligned with teaching those those principles of mindset, emotional awareness, and all that to children. And then lastly, how do you crown yourself? Uh, crown myself as king. King of what? Ah, king of truth. I love it. Seku, where can we find you? How can we support you? How can we uh, tune into the Truth Prescription show, among all the other things? Absolutely. Uh, truth Prescription podcast on YouTube. You can check me out. Uh, also, the truth prescriptions on uh, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, um, www.thetruthprescription.com. It's get some more inside info just on me, and there's also all the shows are there as well. www.reshapingtrauma.com. If you want to reach out to have a discussion about if you want to get involved in a coaching relationship. That's pretty much it. Oh, Instagram at the Truth Prescription Podcast. And we will have all the links in the description below. Make sure that you, as always, own your throne, mind your business, because your reign is now. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If what you heard resonated with you, be sure to subscribe and share your breakthroughs and ahas with me by leaving a review on iTunes so I can keep the magic flowing your way. And if you aren't already following us on social media, come experience the extra inspiration and queenly convos on Instagram at crown yourself now, or visit our website at crownyourself.com. I am so excited to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, go out there and create a body, business, and life that rules.